Hey there, this is AJ Fry from Inner Space Weeknights at 6 and 11 on Space, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. Aww. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An elegant weapon for the more civilized age. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 210. My name is JJ, I'm Clark J, the Jedi Ross, and welcome back to the L5J Studios, kids, as we continue on the road to Fun Expo Canada 2016. Ooh, I am excited, kids. We are but four days away from the big event. Uh, I hope you enjoyed last episode. Uh, with Mr. Ricky Lima. I hope after that episode you went to Kickstarter and you backed Happily Ever After, which is a very fun, cool little story that Ricky has put together. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it, and I think you will too. So if you didn't hear it yet, go back and uh, check out my chat with Ricky Lima from Brampton. He's also the uh, writer at a Black Hole Hunters Club. Uh, He wrote Deep Sea, uh, drawn by our good friend D.A. Bishop over there. So it's good times. Uh, this episode, this is going to be part one of a two-part episode, uh, with Mr. Aaron Broverman. Uh, Aaron Broverman is the host of a fellow Toronto podcast called Speech Bubble, which I had the extreme honor of being a guest on several months ago. You can go to iTunes or the NeverSleepsNetwork.com and you can uh, check out the Speech Bubble. Uh, Aaron, uh, what he does is he interviews Toronto comic book luminaries, and he's had some amazing conversations with some really interesting, fascinating guests. Highly recommend you go check it out. Uh, he's quite a talented journalist. It was my honor to be put in his hot seat, which was an interesting experience. Uh, I don't get interviewed too often, and uh, it was tons of fun to do, but I had to repay the favor. So uh, Aaron and I met up at the Sidekick, the Sidekick Comic Book Cafe and Lounge in Leslieville, Toronto, Ontario, right on Queen Street, kids. Uh, Really, really cool little establishment. If you haven't been there, I highly recommend you go. It's a great place to hang out, talk, uh, chill with your friends, play some games, read some comic books, uh, enjoy a delicious decaf Americano espresso, Chris. You make one hell of a cup of coffee. Thank you so much for letting us hang out and pod in your wonderful place. Uh, so, yeah, this can be part one uh, with Mr. Aaron Broverman. Aaron Broverman is a journalist. Uh, man, he grew up in B.C. Uh, then he moved out here to go to Ryerson. He's written for AOL, uh, HuffPost, uh, a whole bunch of outfits that you're going to hear all about. Um, but it's his podcast that brought us together. So uh, please go check out Speech Bubble. That's the NeverSleepsNetwork.com. So part two won't be far behind, kids, because Fan Expo is coming quick. So just in another day or two, I'm going to drop part one and then part two. And uh, I want to squeeze one more episode in before Fan Expo for all you wonderful people, because I also had a conversation with Mark Fu and a bunch of the fellas from the Hogtown horror anthology and i want you to hear that that's what we're gonna roll into 
Fan Expo with. So Ricky Lima, he's going to be at Fan Expo. Aaron Broverman, he's going to be scooting around uh, Fan Expo. Oh, yes, I say scooting around because uh, you'll also hear about his uh, inspiring uh, story, accomplishing all the incredible things he's done uh, while having cerebral palsy. Uh, Oh, yeah, did I mention he's also a jiu-jitsu artist? That's right, he's a student at Toronto Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's a renaissance man, and uh, he's an inspiring guy. Very, very positive attitude. And very talented, uh, very good at what he does. So uh, I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. So, uh, like I said, uh, he's going to be there. And also uh, the Hogtown Horror Anthology kids, uh, they're going to be all over Fan Expo as well. Everybody's going to be all over Fan Expo, but nobody more than the Ross right here. I am so, so excited. We are going to gorilla pop the fuck out of this Fan Expo, kids. So uh let's get on with it then on the road to fan expo here you go kids this is part one of my fantastic conversation with mr aaron broverman oh yeah he wants to do um some artist alley things for sure you know what was really cool was uh podcast detroit that i'm on yeah, they uh, they had a booth at Motor City Comic Con. Yeah, but for nothing but potting, they set up a table. Nice. They set up a live feed. They had their own drop for oh, the internet, nice. so they could go live. And it was just a table with mics and chairs all around it. That was the booth. Wow. Cool. So they just it was constant. Pod. So you could just bring whoever to mm-hmm. that booth. Yeah. Awesome. And it was yeah. all. They basically set up like a recording booth as their booth. That's a, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. It was such good times, man. I can't even tell you. This um, coffee is so damn fine. What did you end up getting? Uh, decaf Americano espresso. Oh, cool. And is yeah. that the thing that she recommended last time you were here? Well, I drink decaf. And oh, that's okay. all I think they had that was decaf. Oh, and okay. she's like, oh, I can make you one of these. And I was like, that sounds wonderful. Cool. And she did. Uh, of course, we're speaking of Chris. Yeah. Um, what's Chris's last name? Is it me? What? Watton. Yeah. I'm way off W-A-T-T-O-N. <laughs> Are we recording right now? Yeah, we're recording. Awesome. Man. It's that easy. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, do, I do the whole intro and whatever on mine, so... You know, I used to do that, but then it felt... Every show, it felt like it put people not as comfortable yeah, as yeah. I wanted them, yeah, as yeah. casual, right, you right, know right. what I mean? So I just started doing, like, an intro later on. Right, right. And that's always fun, too, because you know what I started doing was I Facebook Live the intro recording. Okay. So while I'm sitting there for five minutes just recording the intro... I'll put it on Facebook and people will watch and nice. it's kind of exciting. And then they yeah, can totally. go check it out. The stuff we can do now, man, this Facebook Live is changing stuff. Yeah, I see like uh, newsrooms do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Like New York Times, uh, when Jessica Alba was promoting the launch of her uh, company mm-hmm. in Canada. You yeah. know, what are her products? Like those baby, those baby products and those like clean environmentally safe cleaning products okay right or whatever so she was launching them in canada and she was touring around to like all the publications like chatelaine and good housekeeping or whatever and they were broadcasting like her visits to their offices on facebook live oh yeah and then people could like write in and ask questions and Mm -hmm. you know have them answered in real time sure it's more intimate right like all the unboxing videos you see like they do at stadium up there right right? stadium comics wednesday unboxing days or whatever yeah With Ricky looking uh, both uh, perplexed and (laughs) relaxed at the same same time. You know, it's funny. When we were podcasting yesterday, I didn't know that he does uh, a comic for for Mississauga. Right. Um, It's like an educational comic. 
Okay. And what it's like Hazel McCallion driving a magic school bus, taking on people on history lessons oh, through, through Mississauga. Just like the actual magical school bus. Pretty you, much. You ever read yeah, he, Scholastic yeah, yeah, School totally. Bus? Totally. They pretty much just took that idea and did it for Mississauga. Right. And I was like, I had no idea you were doing that. So then we started talking about Mississauga stories. Okay. And half the podcast is him and I, like, telling each other, like, cool stories about Mississauga. Wow. It's like half hour in. I was like, there so are cool stories you want to talk about, about your comic, maybe? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Okay. So what do you want to know about me? Okay. So there's so much to know about you is the thing. Okay. Because uh, you're quite accomplished. Why don't you start by explaining to people um, at least a few of the things you've done? Because, I mean, you write for Yahoo. You've written for HuffPost. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So... Um, uh, I I think I'm gonna because I'm not actually from Toronto. Right. Like that's the start and, there. Where are you from? And, and Where I, were you born? Okay. So, and and I like to make the distinction that I'm not from Toronto. I'm one of those people. But anyway, and my my <laughs> girlfriend always teases me because every chance I get, I tell people like, oh, I'm not actually from Toronto. Right. Or whatever. Well, most but, of but us are. I mean, I'm from yeah, St. Catharines yeah. originally. Yeah. But I like but I like Toronto. Like Toronto is bad. That's the, you know whatever. But mm. I like being from somewhere else. Sure. I feel secure. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um. So yeah, I was born in Vancouver. Really. Um. Yeah. I. Uh, I live. I lived for most of my life. Well, yeah, mo- my childhood. I basically lived in Surrey, okay. and Surrey is like a suburb of Vancouver. It'd be like the Mississauga or right. Scarborough. Of, okay. Of of, uh, of so Vancouver. it's very suburban, like yeah, like okay. cul-de-sacs, sure, and and houses, parkettes. And so so stuff. Yeah. when my parents were together, we lived in we lived in North Surrey, which is maybe more like. Uh, I don't know, like like Melvern mm-hmm. or like you know, it was sort of um, like there were areas that were sort of grubby and like you know, it was sort of a, parts of it were like a rough area. Right. Right. Um, we lived a little bit away from that in North Surrey uh, at this place called Boundary Park. So it was sort of you know, there was like a man-made lake, and you could we would like toboggan when it when it snowed. It never, it, <laughs> yeah, it never get a lot really of snows. Thick layers up there, but yeah. when it snowed, like we would toboggan down the steep hill, right. you know, where the lake was, and there'd be like a chain around the lake, but you'd go under the chain and almost go in the lake. It was weird. So then um, I ended up in I think like grade summer of grade five. Uh, my mom uh, met my stepfather. Nelson and uh, awesome. and like I have a, like I have a good relationship with all my parents. Uh, my my father's name is Mort. My mom's name is Glennis. Wait, saying it Mort? Mort. M O R T. Okay. M O R T. Like Morton. But yeah, that's Mort old school. For, oh, Mort. Mort for Morty. Short. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So um, in grade uh, summer of grade five, uh, we move. We move to Sosuri, which is clo- really close to. It's the same city, but it's really close to this uh, little strip border town. I call it a border town because it's closer. It's close to the Washington State border. Right. Like not, it's not Bellingham, which is like the first uh, city that you enter when you cross the border. But it's 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 relatively close to the border, like maybe like fifteen minutes away or so. Okay. And it's called White Rock, and it's on the beach. Oh, that sounds right? nice. So man. there's like, yeah. there's like this strip. People take like their Sunday cars 
down the down the strip every weekend. There's all these like restaurants along this strip, and you can you can go to like the restaurants and stuff. So. For kind of a touristy area? Sort, sort of, of a touristy area, okay. yeah. There's, like, train tracks of people, like, going from the States to uh, back to BC and stuff. Right on. And, yeah, it's a little bit of a touristy area. Very small. Like, South, Sur- South Surrey, White Rock area is sort of, um, you know, Surrey is, like, the big city mm-hmm. and that bigger suburb. And then uh, White Rock is sort of, like, the small smaller like strip sort of thing you know what i mean sure so um anyway so summer of grade five we end up moving there and i do grade six and seven at a new elementary school called semiama trail it was like an elementary school that they were building so i was all excited because i wouldn't have to be like the awkward kid at the new school so you're like 11 12 kind of around there somewhere yeah yeah Yeah, something around i I didn't really want to move my parents always tell me the story of when I, and I remember this actually, like the for sale sign was like on our, on our lawn at the old place at Nursery, and I took my cane and I bashed the sign <laughs> so much that the sign <laughs> fell off, and then I hid this sign, and then I hid this sign nice. somewhere else because I because <laughs> I didn't want to move. <laughs> hey, that reminds me when I moved from I was nine when I moved from St. Catharines to Mississauga, right? And on the on the wall. Behind my mattress, because I, I was, you know, I was really young. I didn't think about it, but right. I wrote in pen on the wall, "I love St. Catharines." Yeah, like the night before we moved. Right, and and when <laughs> when we found the place that we ended up we ended up moving to, I didn't even want to go in to see to see the place. Oh. so my whole family. I have one brother. His name's Daniel. Okay, he's a 3D animator. He oh, lives cool. In, he lives in Burnaby, British Columbia, which is another. So he's still out there. Suburb of Vancouver. Right. Uh, He's working on uh, Beauty and the Beast, the live action Beauty and the Beast. Oh, that's cool. With uh, Emma Watson. Yeah. Yeah. And he's animated. They they brought him in because he did like cartoons, like direct to DVD Barbie cartoons were sort of his specialty. And they needed people who knew how to animate like creatures and stuff Mm -hmm. because they needed people to animate like the fur and stuff on the beast. Of so, course. So that's what he yeah. does. Is he's animating the that's fur cool, on the beast man. right that's now. That's fun. Um, so you're, are you, you're from a creative family in general? I am or from is, a creative family. Okay. We're, we're both people, my brother and I, who knew what we wanted to do in life pretty early on. Okay. Like, uh, he was doing 3D animation for teens, like those little creative summer camps that you could go oh, to. Oh, okay, That right. you could go to. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, 3D totally. animation for teens, video yeah. game design Art for teens. camps and all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did that. Um, he was big into computers. Like, he was one of those guys who would, like, you know, sit at the computer. He could, like, build computers from scratch and, like, cool. take Older them Older brother or younger? Younger. He's okay. two years younger than me. So okay. I was born in 1985. And my brother's born in 1987. Born in 85? I was. Oh, I didn't know you were such a pop. Man, you've accomplished a lot early on. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, I grew up in Vancouver. Um, and, and White Rock is sort of my home because, you know, that's where I spent my high school years. And, uh, you know, the latter part, like the, the end part of, of elementary school. In BC, okay. elementary right. school for us ends at grade seven so we oh never, really so it's eight part of high school we then? never yeah eight, okay so it'd be it'd be like kindergarten to grade seven and then grade eight to grade 12 is high school and there's no junior there's no junior high it's like okay. one it's like one high school but when we moved initially it was comfortable because they were building a new school in our neighborhood like a elementary school 
So everybody that was there was part of a new school. They would just take kids from like schools in the surrounding area and be like, you're going to this new school, you're going to this new school kind of thing. Okay. So, so I never had like the awkward moment of being like the new kid. Because everybody was the new kid. Because everybody was the new <laughs> That's kid. cool, man. So that was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, but then, um, so yeah, so that's kind of a bit of my background. My parents are divorced, right. which factors into the story pretty importantly. Because well, you mentioned that you're, you're, you were pretty young when your mom met your stepdad. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess I was around like grade four or five-ish. Okay. Um, so, and like both of them are really good people. My, my, all my parents are cool. Um, but the divorce factors into my comic fandom pretty, pretty heavily. Interesting. How does that come about? So, okay. So, uh, I guess the first time that I really got into comics was cause my best friend, Marco Pasqua, we all had the, we all have this friend probably that we've known basically our entire lives and you have like a little sort of competitive uh, oh, yeah. rivalry with them like like imagine remember going to like your friend's house and like he was the first guy to get like NES he was the or guy the flag yeah, yeah the, the yeah. GI Joe ship yeah right, totally. right. or yeah. like or like he got to eat all the crappy cereal <laughs> yes. and you never you never yes. got to have <laughs> totally. that cereal because your mom was a, my mom was a nurse so she was very health conscious she okay. was feature fiber kind of thing right on you know whatever yeah yeah but my, but my buddy marco he got all the like marshmallow cereal that i never even got to see <laughs> so, so so he had a video game system before me he had um you know he had like the cereal and stuff before me and and one of the things that he was doing before i was ever doing it was collecting comics okay and we'd we'd do this thing called um i'm a guy with a disability i have cerebral palsy and we do this thing in the summer called, uh, it was called the BC Games for Athletes with a Disability. And it was basically like a provincial uh, track and field for, for people with disabilities. Like, like, okay. a, like, like an Olympics. Right, thing. right, and, right. And we competed in track and field. Marco competed in swimming. And we were staying. Was he disabled as well? He has cerebral palsy as well. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, so we were staying at the. St they would put us up in these like elementary schools because every every year when they were doing it, it'd be like in a different city in the province. The, this PC uh, games for athletes with disabilities. Sure. And you'd be staying in school. You'd be staying in a school, like in a classroom on cots and stuff. You'd really? Hanging out, hanging out with your friends. <laughs> like flood victims at the or games. something. <laughs> well, because like people were coming in from out of town. Sure. So yeah. like the way that they it'd put them up yeah. is they, they there was a school that would like provide. A space where they where you could awesome. you know it was cool because you were like sleeping over with all your friends in, yeah, in a classroom. Yeah, like a big event, the biggest you know, sleepover. There'd for be sure. like a chaperone or whatever. Yeah. So during one of those events, Marco pulls out these comics and he's collecting uh, Mad and Cracked. Do you remember Cracked? Oh, we all collected. I was mad yeah, into Mad. Yeah. And, and, I, and I remember I saw like I think the first spoof of it uh, for Cracked that I saw that that as like a single digit age kid I was really into yeah. was uh, Poker Hauntus and I was and it, or no it was it was it was Strip Poker Hauntus I remember I'm like whoa like Strip Poker Hauntus like this yeah. is some risky stuff or whatever and Marco was also the guy who was like like 
more sexually awakened than I was okay. at like a way early inappropriate age. Right. Because his father was like Italian and basically taught him like <laughs> how to be with the ladies from the time that he was like, you know, <laughs> a little, a little kid. It, eh? <laughs> I remember he told me like he, he was taught the person to be because his, his father took like Barbie dolls and like, sh- and, like showed him what was, <laughs> really? what was happening. So yeah, anyway. So he, so, he was so, trained to love. So for him, like strip poker harness was not was not a huge thing like that was like oh yeah but i was like oh my god strip poker honest hilarious so 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 uh, so uh so so i'm like i'm like where where do you get these comics from like what the hell so we would go to like 7-eleven and grab like grab like mad and and cracked and those things and then when we started doing that uh, I'd awakened like a repressed memory of like when I was a kid. I remember <laughs> comics are just opening up your mind. <laughs> I remember like, so when I was a kid. I remembered um, that I actually had some comics. Like like my I was big into like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, okay. and they used to have. The comics. You were prime age for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to have at like Safeway or like one of the mm-hmm. superstore grocery stores or whatever. They used to have um, these comics, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics, with like a tape. So you'd yes. play the tape, and the tape would read the comic. Yes. And then you'd read the comic. And I remembered that like occasionally, like as like a total casual fan, I would get comics like Beetlejuice. Or, right like, on. those sorts of things. Right on. Like, that I would occasionally get, but it never really registered on, like, a regular basis. So I remembered, after seeing, like, Strip Poker Hannes and the, those things, that I actually had some comics. Okay. Like, I had the, I had those Canadian, do you remember the Canadian ones by uh, Dwayne McDuffie and Jim Craig that were, like, Spider-Man Chaos in Calgary? And it was, like, Spider-Man in Calgary... And uh, I it vaguely sounds familiar. The Spider Man in Canada. It, yeah, but it was like that's it, like it. It were like these one shots that they did, and this had a big impression impact on me because Chaos in Calgary features a Marvel hero that I've never seen since, and her name is like Turbine or like Turbine okay. Turboline. Actually, um, our friend Sam Noir yeah. put it up on Facebook once, so he knows exactly about this comic. But anyway, this girl is like a girl in like a souped up wheelchair that her father invents for her. Nice. And she ends up fighting the villain in this comic with with Spider-Man. That's awesome. Right, That's right? a great idea. So that had a huge impact on me because I was like, oh my god, like people with disabilities uh, in comics and stuff. So At such a young age, yeah, too. Yeah, That's so, really important. Yeah so, yeah, so that had a huge impact. So, so I'm like you know, mad and cr- and cracked and I'm seeing this with Marco and I'm like, well, if Marco's collecting comics, I should dig up some of those old impressionable comics yeah. that I that I remember and uh, we should start collecting comics. And so I asked my dad about it and he's like, he, I'm like, have you ever heard of these magazines like Mad and Cracked and stuff? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Like, I used to collect Mad when I was sure. a kid. You know, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, uh, he was born in like 1946 on Halloween. And what's he do? He was, he's retired now, he was a um, insurance uh, manager okay. for auto insurance in BC. Right. In BC, auto insurance is controlled by the province. It's called ICBC, Insurance Corporation of British I Columbia. I did not know that. Wow. So everybody gets like the same, basically right. like the same insurance. So he was like a manager. And, and what that meant was, 
whenever somebody had an issue with their adjuster or their assessment or whatever, he was like the next level. Like if, if you had complaints, sure. you were going to see my dad. Most people were super irate, but thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, he had a really great sense of humor and he could sort of diffuse any situation. Okay. I mean, he still does. I'm talking about him like he's not alive, but, but he's still yeah, alive. Yeah. But anyway. But um, he's still into like creative things enough that he collected comics. When and got he was you a kid, it, when he yeah. was a kid, he collected Mad, and and it was it was never brought up before this point like he never told us oh yeah, yeah i collected comics until we're like so have you heard it's of these- not like our generation where yeah. we're like like this yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. this you have no, to like no, this no. he was basically like he was basically like yeah yeah i know mad like i used to collect that when i was a kid and i'm like that was around when you were a kid like this revolutionary thing that i thought only i knew suddenly my dad is like really like wow you're cooler than i thought <laughs> you're cooler than i thought so uh so I'm like, well, Mark was collecting comics, um, and my parents had just gotten divorced, and uh, we needed something to do with my father on weekends. So he said, you know, like, you're mentioning these comics, there's a, there's a really good comic shop on West 4th in Vancouver, because we were still living in Surrey, but he moved back to Vancouver. He was okay. the guy that, like, never really wanted to be in the suburbs, so at the City first boy. at the first opportunity he moved he moved back right, to Vancouver right. where his friends and stuff were so he's so we were visiting him on weekends like he would pick us up in mm-hmm. Surrey make like the twenty minute drive pick us up drive us to his house and we would hang out on the on the weekend right. so he's like you know we need something to do on the weekends um, there's this comic shop you're like uh-huh. on on West Fourth <laughs> comic and, and shop I'm, and I'm like there's a shop. <laughs> You mean you don't just get them at Seven Eleven or whatever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, yeah, it's called the Comic Shop. Oh, it's nice. on West Fourth. Um, I think like last year or the year before, they actually won the Schuster Award, the Harry Kramer Award for best. Okay, yeah, no, okay, shop. yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been around since like the seventies. Mm-hmm. They're pretty big, established as right. like the like the shop, like Vancouver's Vancouver. place. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean they're not the only shop, obviously, but but they're yeah. you know they're one of the oldest there for sure. Right. So um so he's like yeah we on Saturdays we can go to this comic shop and you can you can figure it out and I'm like oh okay and so I'm like okay so we're going to this comic shop uh, what comic am I gonna collect I have to figure it out <laughs> so so I I I basically like remembered all these old comics that I you know picked up sporadically in my life and i was like okay and i was very strategic about it i was like (laughs) i was like what comic do i have the most of like do i have the most spider-man do i have the most beetlejuice sure yeah like how many issues of whatever comic what do i have the most of makes sense and it turned out that it was spider-man oh me too so i totally that was my first big so yeah yeah so i that's what i ended up collecting was okay since i already have all these spider-man comics i'm just gonna start collecting spider-man unfortunately for me uh this was right around the time of the clone saga okay remember the clone saga oh yeah oh yeah so that was one of the worst storylines in in spider-man history i started collecting the amazing spider-man two issues before mcfarlane took over that's awesome. Yeah, great I, time. Oh man. So, but but like at the time, I was starting. I this was the first time I was collecting comics, and I thought it was amazing. Like right. the Clone Saga, like dra- drama, amazing. <laughs> you know, looking back, not the best time to start your comic. Uh-huh. But I was like super into Ben Riley. Like that was like the okay. first big arc that yeah. I like 
that I actually collected to completion. Like I remember when he when he died, and th- there was the, the question of like, who's the real Peter Parker? Is it Ben Riley or is it Peter Parker and, and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And I and I was like, it's got to be Ben Riley. It's got to be Ben Riley, <laughs> and because I like the blonde hair and the okay. cool cost, like the different costume yeah. and whatever. So I'm like, uh, I'm like Ben Riley, Ben Riley, Ben Riley. But of course he dies because there's there's that sort of famous scene. Spoilers. Uh, where, I don't know. It's like Spidey the, spoilers. It's like so old, but whatever. There's the famous scene where like. They're fighting uh, like Green Goblin or something, and Green Goblin and like Peter Parker tries to save Ben Riley, but Ben Riley gets like speared in the back by the by the glider. Yeah, and then and then they have like the whole like death scene of like him and Peter Parker's Which arms. They kind of used for the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Him in like Peter Parker's arms, like no, don't die. Yeah, and then and and like. And he's like, I, 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 and like at this point, even Peter Parker thinks that Ben Riley is like the real, the real Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Up and like even up until the point that he's like dying, so he's like, oh my god, like I'm the clone. You were always better than me. You were always more real <laughs> than me. Blah, blah blah. And then, spoilers, Ben Riley like disintegrates into Ash, god. which basically tells you that he was the he clone. Was the clone. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Right. Right, exactly. And that was that like blew my mind. I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> it's Norman Riley. How could I have been so wrong?" That's awesome. And I, like I loved everything about him. Like like how it was like a combination of like May Parker's maiden name mm-hmm. and Uncle Ben's right. f- first name right. and how he did that because even though he was like the clone of Peter Parker, he didn't want to step on the toes of like the other Peter Parker. So in order to like differentiate himself, he like sure. dyed his hair blonde and called himself Ben Riley. That's cool, man. Yeah. I kind of want to read the arc now. Yeah, know. yeah, you should totally read the arc. I like like what I, it, I know the arc, but I never read it's it. It's yeah. one of the classic arcs for being like one of the worst arcs in Spider-Man history, but because I caught it at a time where like everything was new yeah. for me in comics. You're far more forgiving when you're young. Yeah, too. I thought it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, I was also collecting because I'd watched The Simpsons. I was collecting like the Bongo Comics. Okay, right on. Uh, Simpsons. Yeah. And the first issue of the Bongo Comics Simpsons that I got was it was like the crossover extravaganza. So it was like it was, and it was the first one they'd ever done. So it was like Bartman. The Simpsons, Radioactive Man, right. all in the same comic, and it was crazy. That's and like, fun, yeah. And the cover is like an atomic bomb exploding, and them all like swinging around and so stuff. So this basically becomes your weekend. So this becomes tradition. The weekend tradition. Okay. My father says you can pick two, and and I'll buy I'll buy the comics. Both of you can pick two comics. Nice. My my brother, he he collected The Simpsons too. Uh, he wasn't so much into superheroes. Um, one of the shop people, uh, uh, I think this guy named Tim, uh, turned him on to because he was into like cartoons and stuff. Right. Hence the an- yeah, animation thing. Yeah, yeah. So the, so eventually, like when we were collecting comics for a while, one of the shop guys turned him on to Bone. So my so my brother Bone. my brother had like collected Bone. There's still a collection of Bone at my parents' house because. What happened was my brother ended up dropping off comics. I d- comics like gangbusters for me. I never right. stopped collecting comics. My friend Marco, who basically inspired my right, my right, need right. to collect comics, stopped collecting comics like really? a couple months after uh, okay. after I started. So like 
So everyone is like maturing and not collecting comics anymore. I was like, no, like I'm. Co- <laughs> no, this is my. Th- I, I'm yeah, not giving up. Exactly. It became <laughs> comics became my crack. If comics were snortable, I would snort them. <laughs> like, like and like, awesome. you, you know, I would like, yeah. So you need your fix. Yeah, yeah. So and it went from like two comics a week to three. Like, like it was, and 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 the the comic shop guys were very. Uh, helpful. They were like, you know, you got to get a long box. You got a bag and They're board. They're setting you right up for the whole. Yeah, like, you got you system. got a bag and yeah. board. Oh, and by the way, um, here is like the store copy of um, Overstreet's fan. Uh, Sorry, say again. So okay, so Overstreet's what? It was called Overstreet's fan. You know the Overstreet's price guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, all right. So all right. they once had when Wizard was was like a big thing, and I think. They even they even predate Wizard by a little bit. They came out with like their own fan magazine, their own sort of Wizard style thing, and it was called Overstreet's Fan. And that's how I started getting into Wizard and like comics journalism. Well, I guess if you want to call it that, because the shop guys would be like, "Oh yeah, like when 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 we're done, you can have like the store copy." Of Overstreet's fan, we'll just give we'll just give it to you for free oh, that's or whatever. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So I read Overstreet's fan for a while. It got it collapsed. It wasn't a thing anymore. And then I and then I started collecting Wizard and stuff. So okay, th- this like weekly thing became like a habit right. that my father would like support. And I collected Spider-Man for a while, and then. As I got into sort of uh, you know full-on adolescence and got a little more experience. Um, I started collecting Spawn because Spawn is like, Spawn was like, okay, so when you're a kid, you, you want to be older than you are and and you want something like risque and like violent and like, but kind of similar to superheroes, but not like the boring, monotonous old superheroes that you've been reading. You want like the... The sort of violent, the start of the yeah, like the yeah. violent new mm-hmm. superhero with like the the ice cream truck child molester. Things started and, getting dirty, and yeah. the, and the popsicles, you know, where he's like hanging and chained up, like yeah. that blew my mind. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, Spawn, like this is edgy, blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh yeah, Spawn, like I'm more mature. So Spawn ended up being a bridge for me um, between like the the superheroes that I was collecting. And eventually, like, Vertigo and, like, those right. things. Okay. Right. Because in the 90s, like, I had no idea what was going on in comics. I wasn't collecting, like, Sandman, whatever. Uh, it turned out that my older cousin, when I told her that I was collecting comics, she's like, oh, yeah, I collect comics, too. Uh, you know, Sandman is good and whatever. But I, it never really registered because right. she was, like, older. She those was, are like, the kind of titles she was, like, in her needs tw- to introduce yeah, you she, to. Yeah, she was, right. like, in her 20s. It's hard to – back then it was hard to stumble across yeah, yeah, yeah. Sandman. So she yeah. was in her 20s, whatever. So I, I, it didn't really register that I should be collecting Sandman. She would just tell me about this sort of thing when we would see each other on weekends and I would go to my aunt's house or something. But <laughs> it never it never registered. The, the time – so I was collecting Spawn and missing out on all the big things of the 90s, like, yeah. like, like, like Kingdom Come and oh, – one and, of my all-time and, and favorites, like, man. Not picking yeah. up stuff that would have been really cool. Now it was just sort of like, oh, Spawn, oh, sure, superheroes, sure. whatever. Okay, so we're we're at the point where you're getting into that. You started collecting the Spawn, and yeah. this comes out of the dad's 
you know, your weekend yeah, comic yeah. shop adventures. So at this point, is this what's starting to inspire the writing in you and the to be creative? So, okay. So the writing thing was always a thing that was happening simultaneously to the comic thing. As early as I can remember, even those, like, comics that I would get from, like, 7-Eleven and whatever, right. I was not satisfied with my comics. I thought I could do better. Nice. So, so I would add characters. I would, like, draw characters into my comics what? because I wanted to, like, participate. Dude, so, that is cool. So there were, like, stick figures. And I was, like, defacing my comics. Whatever. Like, I never heard of anybody doing something like that. So, That's really cool, so man. So I was like, yo, like, I-, I need to add my own characters. And then that started with, like, and then, and then that got me to draw. Like, I would copy comic book characters and start drawing and stuff. Eventually, my brother got better at drawing than me, and I'm like, screw this, like, okay. whatever, <laughs> I, I'm not, like, he's yeah. so much better than me, like, clearly, like, this Well, we've talked to enough people to know how thing. much you have to pour into that to get good at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and, like, you know, because I'm a person with a disability, I do stuff, like, I was very active, like, I did, I did, like, physiotherapy. You're born with this, right? Yeah, okay. cerebral palsy is something yeah. you're born with, maybe I should explain it to the, to the listeners. Cerebral palsy is like a it's like a neurological brain damage thing that happens uh, usually due to like premature birth. Okay. Sometimes due to like medical malpractice. Okay. But it's basically like a lack of oxygen to the brain at the time of birth that causes like a blood vessel to bur- to burst in your brain and cause brain damage. The location of the brain damage is usually in the cerebellum, which controls like uh, motor okay. function, muscle balance, those sorts of things. Okay. So it, what it causes is your muscles to be super, super like tight, like abnormally tight. And then also like, you know, balance is sort of sure. hard to control. Um, you know, you're, the way like there's, a, but it's, but it's a spectrum. Like most disabilities mm-hmm. are a spectrum. This is a disability that's a spectrum where Depending on like how big or the location of the brain damage, you can have cerebral palsy, but cerebral palsy can look different in a lot of different mm-hmm. people. Right. So like I have friends with cerebral palsy who are in wheelchairs fully. I have friends with cerebral palsy who um, they it affects their speech. They speak right. like slower and that sort of thing. Still cerebral palsy, just right. not to the same degree. Also, like there are people that are like so uh, severely affected that they're like clenched all the time. To- all um, the time. You're familiar with comedian Josh Blue? I am. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good Josh example Blue of that. Yeah, is kind of an example. I mean, I mean, there are people that it's even worse than right. that, where like you're in a wheelchair, they like strap you in with like the X strap because you're always so yeah. tight and strong and like whatever you could like break out of your wheelchair at any at any point wow. kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. And th- there are people with dis- with cerebral palsy that are verbal. There are people with disabilities with, with cerebral palsy that are nonverbal. So, like, when people say, do you have cerebral palsy? Uh, yeah. But, like, just because you meet one person with cerebral palsy doesn't necessarily mean you know what cerebral, what cerebral right. palsy is, right. right? I have what's called um, spastic diplegia cerebral palsy, which basically just means... <laughs> Sorry, that sounds cool. It's called spastic, spastic. diplegia. <laughs> And it basically just means that it affects both of my legs. That's lower, see, that's the, always low, the impression I got from you is your right. your things you got to deal with most are in the lower half. Right, of right, the right, system, right, right. Exactly. If I had spastic quadriplegia, it would affect all of my limbs. Okay. Uh, my friend Marco has spastic triplegia, which basically means you know two legs and one arm, and he can extend one of his arms past a certain point. Like he'll 
you know, it stops because okay. because his muscle is too tight right there. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. But cerebral palsy is not the end of the world. It's not something that needs to be cured. It's not a progressive d- disability. Right. When you're When you're a kid, a lot of the resources go to, like, helping you with, like, physiotherapy. Of course. And, like, occupational therapy where you learn how to, like, dress yourself mm-hmm. and tie buttons and tie your shoes and do all the coordination right. things you need to do. Like fine motor skills are a thing that get affected right. by cerebral palsy sometimes. So, so yeah, like you're, I'm, I'm like swimming, I'm doing like strength stuff, all in an effort to sort of train my body on a weekly basis how to walk. Like, like my, my physiotherapist would like break it down, like heel, toe, tuck your butt in like she right. would like yell at me as i'm like well, walking. every little movement yeah, is yeah, so yeah. important so right? she would yeah. like you know i kind of know like what the pattern is for walking you know there are certain things that i'm never going to be able to do like i can't jump i can't lift one leg and like do like a pirouette or like you know <laughs> okay. that kind of stuff like we, so we, you're not a big dancer we, yeah, <laughs> weird weird things like that i can't it's hard for me to walk backwards i can but not fast okay, right. or in a very coordinated way when i was younger um this doesn't happen very often but if somebody made me laugh i would laugh super hard and lose all muscle control and fall down like that would be that, that would I'm be I'm sorry. A, I'm sorry. I'm trying not to laugh, but that's that fucking be, hilarious. That <laughs> I'm sorry. So and and you're not the first person to, to don't do make that. him laugh. Yeah, he'll <laughs> collapse. And, and sometimes like adults would be like, "Don't no no no, Aaron, Aaron, stay up," right? But my friends would think it was so hilarious that they would like compete with each other to see who could like make, make me laugh yeah. so that I would fall down. It like, well, it's it good was, that you had friends that still picked on you then and like treated was, you like anyone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I, I was really lucky. I never, I never really got made fun of for my disability or that kind of thing. That's good. That's great I, to I'm hear. I'm a pretty yeah. congenial guy, I think, and I, and I was one of those guys that had like um, different groups of friends that were all. Um, you know, I was part of like the skater group and I was part of like the drama geeks and like, right. you know, I, I went around to all these different people. Well, how old were you when you came here then? So, okay. So that's a whole, okay. So that's a whole another thing. <laughs> but, but, I, but you asked me about how the writing started. Yes. So everyone, um, with, with a disability in my school, um, they get like an individualized education plan, which is basically a thing where like everybody in the school sits down and they work out like how can they help you make Sounds like make, heaven out make there, your, man. make your make your school like easier <laughs> and one hell? of the ways that they did that starting in elementary school was they would give you a computer because then you could like type your assignments faster and like you know it'd be okay. easier for you to write and like it wouldn't take you so much time to get stuff done in, right. in school so everybody got a computer and this was like the 90s so it was like a uh, like a macintosh Icon. desktop <laughs> computer that would sit in like the corner of the classroom yes and it would be like aaron's computer like unless that's cool. you have to ask permission from aaron <laughs> to use his computer awesome. right so so that would, but then in the summer they didn't know what to do with it so they would just send it home with you you'd get wow. like a giant desktop computer in and the summer you just started writing and i just it. started writing because awesome. And at first, it was, like, fictional stories. Creative writing. Creative writing. Right. And, like, okay, I'm going to do a story. I did a story about, like, um, a kid who befriends some monster in the future and, like, trains him to be, like, a gladiator fighting right. force. And they're, like, best friends. But but this monster is, like, you know, Hulk, Hulk kind of thing. And he's, like, fighting other monsters right in, like, on. some intergalactic battle. 
Anyway, it was it was called Killer Instinct. It was not it was not the best. Sounds it's pretty it's good, dude. Saved on, it's <laughs> saved on some floppy disk in a junkyard somewhere. Like awesome. I, I don't know where it is. So so anyway, so I would write these stories because like I had you know I was an indoor kid. Like because I can't do everything. That it's not as easy for you to hop yeah, on the bike and go. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Right. So so I would do things like draw. I would right. do things like you know TV was sort of my second parent. My my parent my mom worked a lot. So we had babysitters right. who like to watch their stories. Yes, of course. And, and so a lot of the time, Why TV not? became my <laughs> my babysitter. My my dad's like kind of lazy that way, and he likes TV too and comedy and stuff. So, you know, the way that I learned how to like tell time and like orient myself to the world was okay. This is how I learned how to tell time. Oprah's on at four o'clock. <laughs> Doctor Phil's on at five. Like I know what time it is because I have a show. For every hour of the day, right. in case I am in front of yeah. the television, like yeah. if I knew what what was on and what I then wanted you knew to what watch was going on. for every for every hour of the day. <laughs> so depending on what was on television, I knew what time it Price was. Price is right is on. Must be ten. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Exactly. So yeah. that's that's how um, deep uh, my love for television goes. In fact, the only other person I know to ever say that he learned to tell time from television was Dave Chappelle on Inside the Actor's Studio. Really? Yeah, yeah. Fun fact. Nice. So, anyway. <laughs> so, I kind of I kind of judge... I have this kind of weird midpoint in my life that's not actually the midpoint, but everything for me is either pre-1989 Batman or post-1989 <laughs> yeah. Batman. So I remember things that... Because it was also the end of the 80s, right? right, right? right, right. So yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So I'm an indoor kid. I'm doing, I'm doing the writing in the summer because, like... You know, when you when you become in it, like when you were just naturally oriented to be indoors, you sort of hate the outdoors. Oh, it's so hot. I want to <laughs> stay. Like I actually wanted to stay inside. It wasn't okay. like, oh, I don't get to play with my friends. It was like, no, no, no. It's so much better in here. It's air. Con- it's air conditioned. Yeah. <laughs> so so I'd be writing. Like I was perfectly happy, solitary writing, whatever. But then in like grade eleven, um, I did a thing called co-op. Yep, Which, yeah. You yep. remember co-op? It yeah, was you like, work for credits. You basically you work for high school credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, like I did like English and social studies for one semester, like in one class with the whole co-op class, and then every like three weeks or so we'd go on a work experience. Right. And we had two. Okay. Work, we had two work experiences during the year. So when it came time to like pick your work experience. Uh, my career counselor in high school was like, yo, and this is like grade 11. He's like, yo, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I've been doing all this writing uh, this, you know, for all these summers. And by high school, the desktop computer that they would give you turned into like a laptop. And this is still BC, right? And it was still BC. All right. So it was even better. So I'm like, I do, I do this writing all the time, but I realized, because I'm a smart kid that, um, you know, you can't, you can't really make a living writing like the great American novel. Like, what right. am I going to do? Like, pump out a novel a year and, yeah, and, yeah. Make, and be like <laughs> My Stephen be, King, be like yeah. a billionaire. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, it's pretty impractical to be like. Yo, I want to like write a book for my for my work experience, <laughs> but I do like writing, and, and so the career, so I don't really know what to do. So the career counselor is like, well, there's a local newspaper here, like a weekly newspaper called the Peace Arch News that like reports on the community. Why don't you work with them? We had have you a, considered journalism at all? No, yet? I had not considered okay. journalism at all, but 
I realized when he said, why don't you work for the Pacific News? And I, and I had been like reading the paper as a kid. Like that's what I would do in the morning. Right. I'm so, that, I'm such a, no, I did that too, man. So anyway, I, I hear you. so, so I'm like, yeah, because I could write, but I'd get like, you know, there's hope for me to get like an actual income on like a, re- on like a regular basis without having to sell like a novel to a publisher or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds good. You can still write and you have, you can actually make money maybe, you know, on a regular basis. For sure. Basis. Yeah. So, so I worked at the Pizza News and they basically had me doing everything that like a regular reporter would do. Oh, I was right like off a, the bat. I yeah. was like an unpaid intern, you know? Okay. Yeah. The first article that I wrote for them, you know, for like the first couple of days, I didn't know really what I was doing. There was like a reporter who like took me under their wing, but basically I was like sitting in front of the computer trying to figure out what I'm actually going to do while right, I'm here. Right, right. And then we were talking, I was talking with this reporter that was helping me and I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, I was telling her about my experience as a person with disability and how, you know, some attitudinal biases that people have sort of cloud like what the overall impression of disability is in the sense that like people assume things about people with disabilities that aren't actually true like you know that you can't do as much as you do and stuff so she's like well why don't you write about that why don't you just write about from your personal experience makes sense right about that so they they gave me like a byline photo they made it all like cool i got to work with like the photographer and stuff so i got like a column like an actual like article that was like one of those like opinion pieces and i think the title of it was uh biases and misconceptions too often clutter the view which sounded very heidi hoity toity oh, a little bit a little bit of a mouthful and i remember that i had that i had i drew from like i'm, I'm jewish right so right okay I, you get this hair that gets <laughs> the like curlier pad and kinda, curlier and stuff, yeah, okay and it was so big that the guy in Photoshop had to like erase some of my, <laughs> some of my hair out of your juice out of the frame because it was because it just didn't look it look it was like overtaking the uh, photograph. He had to give you a digital haircut. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I remember that. That was that's a vivid memory of mine. So, so that was the first article that I did, and and as I was you know talking to people and interviewing them and making calls and stuff i'm like yo like true stories are so much more interesting than oh, like yeah. fictional stories like okay, yeah i can't make this up and it's it's pretty cool <laughs> and, and you get to talk to people not only do you get to talk to people but you you learn a lot or you learn you learn a little bit about a lot of things and you don't really have to know anything because you're asking the questions totally so, so the better question that you ask People will just tell you things like right. you don't you don't really have to know things about a topic. Like, for example, I just did a interview with a guy who's um, working with um, people with disabilities in Louisiana after okay. like the flood that just right, happened. Right. And his organization is basically responsible for making sure that people with disabilities are taken care of in disaster in disaster okay zones, yeah that's right? right and and that they have like medical you don't even think that there would need to be yeah, something yeah, specific yeah. but, but there, there, there was, there's a huge need yeah court because often like the regular organizations forget about that sort of thing right and i had no idea about the topic like i'd never covered that before so i knew nothing okay other than i was interviewing this guy and my editor gave me some questions to ask so the whole interview most of the interview is stuff that i'm not even going to use but it was like background on like what does this guy actually do and what actually does disaster relief for disabled people entail and i could get away with it 
because I'm a journalist. I don't have to have any prior knowledge. And as right. a journalist, it's kind of bad to assume because usually if you assume things... I've learned that huge. Yeah, absolutely. Usually if you assume yeah. things, you get things wrong. Absolutely. And then people are like, what the hell? That's yeah. not true. Yeah, what are you, you talking you just, about? You just yeah. factually yeah. messed nope. up. <laughs> you know, and people like to hate on the media all the time. You could have a little more than Google me. But Ex- yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but like because you're a journalist, like people forgive you for asking these questions. If, you, if I wasn't a journalist and I was just like a person, first of all, I wouldn't get the access that I get. Also people wouldn't just start asking you questions. So I could use the context of my journalism to actually, like, to my advantage, to actually, like, learn things that are relevant to my life. That's why I started writing about disabilities because I wanted to use that. You know, that was, like, the one thing that I had that no one else did. And there's a lot of stuff about my life, you know, issues that I face that I'm curious about. And my journalism gives me an excuse to to call the people in power and find out about this sort of thing. Yes. And if I was just a regular citizen, I wouldn't get the kind of access that I get. Of course. Plus, I've always been a dude who loves, like, the perks and, like, you know, getting to, like, eat at restaurants for free sometimes, <laughs> getting to interview Why celebrities. Why do you think I started this podcast so I can go to cons for free? Yeah, like, whatever, you know? <laughs> no. Like, and and yeah. no, no one really admits that. And you have to be careful. You have to be careful because sometimes they'll give you stuff for free for, like, positive coverage. And you don't want to... Yeah, no, you, you don't can't. Wanna, like, you can't. Too much yeah, stuff. you don't want to... Because it's like a bribe. Compromise yourself, but of I, course. But yeah. I do like that kind of thing. So, so I love journalism. And I decided in grade 11, which is pretty early, I've discovered, um, that... Uh, that's what I wanted to do with awesome. my life. Right. Meanwhile, my brother is doing his thing with computers and 3D animation and stuff, and, and he's figuring out what he wants to do. So both of us were like driven guys, and we knew what we wanted to do. That's such an advantage when you're on. younger. When you're right. that young and you know what you want to do, you got the whole world in your hands. Right, right. For and, sure. and meanwhile, um, the comic collecting, um, I was really bad at math. One of the things around my disability is like, I don't I, know why I'm surprised by that, but I am. Yeah, I have a, I have a, I have sort of like a learning disability around math. Okay, I, I've discovered, like I, I figured out. What because, you fucking hate it? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it just takes me an abnormally long, to, long time to solve a problem. I just okay. don't have a mind for math. Like I would right. spend hours trying to solve, you know, every equate like. An right. equation, one equation for right. like hours. Uh, I totally feel it. And, and people yeah. would tell me like they would repeat it every time, and I still w- and I still wouldn't, wouldn't get it. You know, it. wouldn't stick in my head. And like it was like a real struggle. Math was like a huge struggle for me. And I would try and try and try, and I would still only get you know fifty percent on the test, or like I would basically like still fail, even though I was like really trying to like get it. Right. So I sucked at math. So in in grade summer of like grade ten. My, my stepfather, Nelson, had this really great idea. And, and I don't know why no one had thought of it before. He's like, yo, why don't you go to math? Why, why don't you go to school for the summer? Like after after grade 10, why don't you go for school for the summer? Okay. And I'm like, well, what are you, yeah, crazy? I'm not, not going right to <laughs> go to school in the summer. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. If you go to school in the summer, you know that you want to be like a writer. So you're not going to need grade 12 math or anything like that because you're not going into like science or chemistry or that sort of thing you you're going to be a writer you don't need math to get into university right uh, if you're going to be a writer so he's like this is what you should do go to summer school in grade 10 get rid of um 
your your grade eleven math because that's the last grade that you have to take. Sure. Right. So that way, if you fail in the summer school, then you're just you just take regular grade 11 with the rest of your kids sure and you get you get another chance but if you pass grade 11 in the summer you don't have to take it ever again and you can just take a spare for the year or whatever which would be nice yeah so i'm like okay like that's good like what do i have to lose so i went to summer school it was interesting uh there were both like people who were from like brilliant families who wanted to get ahead of the game and right. they were like the super smart kids yeah. who were like keeners. I want to graduate in two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like those people. And there were also like the uh, I bring Jack Daniels to class <laughs> <laughs> type people. <laughs> like literally. That's the corner I was sitting in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like I'm, I'm, this is my third time right, right. At, at like grade 11. Like when they right. already know the summer school teacher. Right, right, right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so they were like sort of two groups. Yeah. So I went, I went to grade 11, but it was still a struggle because it was like accelerated for me because I was supposed to be like, you know, it was like just after grade 10. I wasn't even supposed to be knowing sure, this stuff. And you're yet. already not a fan of right? doing this. Right? So my mom is like, okay, we're going to do like the full court press in this math thing because, because summer school was only like, I don't know, like three weeks long. It was like this super condensed like year of math okay. in like, in like a month or two. Like right. it wasn't even like the whole summer. It was like, it was like, we're going to like speed through this sort of sure, thing. Sort yeah. of thing. So she's like, it's going to be really overwhelming for you. I'm going to hire you a tutor, right? Yeah. So, so my first tutor was like this Asian kid who I hung out with in school. He was helping me and he did a really good job. I would go to his house, whatever. But I still wasn't getting it. So she hired me a tutor from like an outside company called Future Grad. So I had two tutors. Nice. And I was going to summer school and, my, and the teacher was really nice and he was helping me. You're like, I'm so, going to kill so, this math thing <laughs> some way. Exactly, exactly. So my, my tutor from Future Grads was this dude from Toronto who just moved. Uh, like he, he'd, been, he'd been at UBC. He was like a, uh, at the time he was taking like biology. His name was Neil Zinyak. We had a, it turned out we had a ton in common. He was Jewish, I was Jewish. Um, and then he would go into my room and, and we would help, he would help me with math and he would see that I had all these graphic novels on my, on my desk. Okay. And he was like, yo, you have like kingdom come. You have like earth X because the friendship is born because I was, I was into, <laughs> at the time I was into Alex Ross. I got kingdom come solely because yeah. Alex Ross and the painting was like, blow, was like oh, blowing shit. my mind. Yeah, yeah. And like, I didn't even know the significance of that book. I was just like painted comics. Yeah. Th- this is what it should have always been because yes. the magic of Alex Ross is that you see superhero, the superheroes as like, they would look as real you people. Very realistic. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's like, Oh my God, like they're right there. That's how it they reminds would look me of the, people. in the Watchmen when they, when uh, you see the old scenes of the old Minutemen. Right, right. And they're like being arrested or falling apart or whatever. And they're wearing cloth, like straight up cloth hoods yeah. and cloth capes. And it looks amazing. Yeah. So Neil, my math tutor, saw that I had Kingdom Come on my desk. And he's like, oh my God, there's hope for this kid. He, he, obvi- <laughs> he obviously knows good comics, yeah. but he has Kingdom Come on the desk. So, so, we, so he was like, yo, I mean, you have Kingdom Come. Have you heard of uh, Dark Knight Returns? No. Have you heard of Sandman? No. Have you heard of Watchmen? No. So uh, what about Swamp Thing? And, and, he, and I'm like, no. And he's like, dude, what's your problem? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get all these comics. Yeah. So he's like, yo, this is what, this is what I'm going to do. Like you're working really hard on the math thing. So every week 
I will, you know, we, you can just borrow my con- you can just borrow my graphic novels, and right. as long as you give them back to me, you can read as much as you want. You just, That's you know, whatever. So, yeah. so he's like, but but he's like, I'm just gonna give you what I want you to read. Like you, you, you have no idea. I'm just gonna give you what I want you to read. <laughs> you can borrow them, but you gotta borrow what I tell you. To borrow. <laughs> exactly. Right. Gotcha. Exactly. So he's like, so he would just give me things, and he'd be like, read this, read this, read this, and what he gave me was like the building blocks of like. 1980s comics the things that are, that are still impacting the modern age to this day he gave yeah. me he gave me i think the first one was swamp thing and i read that and i was like tubers and like vegetable sex yeah. oh my god and like alan moore this is amazing so saga the swamp thing and stuff. saga yeah, the swamp yeah, thing yeah, john yeah. donovan the art amazing yeah, yeah. and i'm like where have i been <laughs> and, and, and then he gave me uh, he's like, you like that? Well, I'll give you another Alan Moore thing, uh, Watchmen. And I read Watchmen, Damn. and I got to the ending, and I'm like, oh my god, what is this? These are like, <laughs> these are like realistic heroes. They're dealing with like real problems. Like, if yeah. they really existed in real life, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. So then he's like, yo, you should check out Sandman. And I read all of Sandman basically off of basically like off of him. And I'm like, whoa, like this is even better. Like Neil Gaiman is, is better, like even better yeah. than Alan Moore. And <laughs> and to this day, because of Neil Zinyak, my math tutor, Alan Moore and, and Neil Gaiman are like my two favorite authors in any medium. Those are because, your boys, yeah. Because at the time, you know, like like when you collect comics and you're giving comics to like an impressionable young person, like you dream of them eating it up the yes. way the way that I was <laughs> yeah. eating up the comics because he was getting like the right reactions for everything and I was like understanding everything and he's like he, like the thing that that you want to happen when people read Watchmen as a comic fan happened to me where it's like oh my right. god I'm so jealous that you get to read this for the first time this is gonna be crazy like Dark Knight Returns I read yes. off of Neil. And I'm like, oh my god, where have I been? Where, yeah. What was I collecting before? Because right. it cra- changes your perspective yeah. on heroes you already know. You're right. like, this is this is what can be done with right. Batman. Exactly. You I'm, know? I'm like, what is this? Yeah. So so because of Neil, I started. I'm like, fuck, like forget superheroes. Yeah, I, I'm just Vertigo. Vertigo's where it's at. All these comics <laughs> I'm reading are Vertigo. You know, nice. like yeah. that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna do. I mean, at the time, the single issues like Sandman was ending or had already ended. Like this was like. Early 2000s, late 90s kind right. of thing. Okay. He also got because all this was DC, and I was collecting Marvel before, and I'd never collected DC. Like I started getting into DC, and he taught me the value of DC and like the history of DC sure. and why it's important because you know because of the history. Like DC yeah. has all the history, and they have the Infinite Earth, and he explained it to me, and it was super fascinating. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, I, like DC, I have to get DC stuff, you know. And he's telling me about Starman and like all this stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, DC. So for a while, no Marvel. I switched okay. to DC fully, like Batman, like whatever, you know. All right. Because I'm like, so when you dive into something, you, you I, dive in I, I wholeheartedly. Was, so, yeah. so yeah, and that's kind of, you know, now I have that education, which I'm always thankful for him giving me. And what ended up happening was like, after a while, Vertigo became like a shell of its former self, and I was reading 
comics that weren't having the same impact that I thought that they would. Because okay. at first, when you start reading Vertigo, at least from my perspective, I thought every comic was going to be like the next big okay. Alan Moore <laughs> type of thing. I yeah. thought like Vertigo was doing was doing amazing stuff, and like and like by reading Vertigo, I'm going to be on the ground floor of like the next big <laughs> situation. But I would right. always miss like what was the hot what was the hot book. Like I was always reading right. stupid things like okay. Testament um, and like weird nah. Vertigo titles right. that no one's heard of anymore so then um so now my my thing is sort of um more indie comics like like image like i, I collect you know i i go back and forth like dc and marvel because i i recognize the importance of keeping up sure. with the events like the big events yeah and at first because because neil was like yo crisis and infinite nurse like these big events are important to comic continuity and stuff yeah. so i was like <laughs> picking up every book of those you know right but then after a while uh dc and marvel started doing them every year oh, so yeah, then i got, got hand. so, so yeah. then i got tired of it and whatever so so these and then then i started getting exposed to like indie comics like and uh, finding these on my own like black hole Right. And blankets. Okay. And you know, and a lot of that had to do with the beguiling for when I when I moved here. So so like it, it started to get indie and like image changed. Like I collected Spawn up to issue one hundred and I'm like, Yes, he's finally gonna face off with Malbogia, who's the devil, whatever. But then I felt screwed because at the end of Spawn one hundred, spoilers, uh you find out that uh, Malbogia isn't really Satan, who you thought. Oh, like, really? Like he okay. isn't really like the big enemy that you that he was built up to be, oh, or whatever. Right. He's just another demon, and then oh. there's like another level. Yeah, that'd be kind so, of a letdown. So, so I'm like, yeah. it ne- so it's like it never ends. Plus, they killed Angela in that issue. Okay. This is like when uh, Todd McFarlane. Oh, sorry, I never read Spawn. Okay, so, so I'm so, not familiar. Enough. So Angela is like the angel assassin. Okay, that was created, and I, I learned this later. Created for hire by um, not for hire. Like that's where the dispute is. Mm. But basically, like um, in the early issues of Spawn, in order to like generate buzz, Todd McFarlane had people like Dave Sim and yes. Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. writing issues of, oh, really? of spawn and wow like, i didn't realize they all wrote and like, spawn. and That's like crazy. and like contributing like a one-shot issue right okay and neil in his story spawn number nine which i now have uh he introduces cogliostro which is like sort of spawns like mentor character like the the old school old man who sort of shepherds spawn right. you know he's like the ex Hellspawn, who's been around and knows that character what, was in the movie. Yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Okay, yeah, yeah. He knows yeah. what Spawn's going through. He was created by Neil Gaiman. Okay. Then uh, he introduces Medieval Spawn because the story that he writes is like about a Hellspawn in medieval times. Of course it is. Right, right. <laughs> and the other character that he creates is Angela, which is sort of if the Hellspawns are like Hell's army, Hell's soldiers. Uh, Angela is part of heaven's oh, army so okay. she's like heaven's equivalent of, of, spawn. of what spawn is okay that's cool and, you know angela angel blah, right, blah, right. you know what i mean so but at the time of of issue 100 of spawn uh todd mcfarlane and neil gaiman are like su- are like suing each other neil gaiman has to sue todd mcfarlane because he's because i didn't know that happened yeah because because angela and all the characters that 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 um that neil gaiman created 
were like super popular. There was like a there was like a one shot spinoff that was like a Angela Solo title. He kind of bill fingered the universe. Yeah, yeah. Whereas McFarlane came up with like Spawn and everything, so Gaiman kind of filled it out with the Alfreds. Yeah, a little bit. Stuff. A little bit. Okay. He only wrote that one issue, but he introduced but a lot enough. of characters. Okay. He introduced a lot of characters that were so popular that that Todd McFarlane kept using them after uh. Neil Gaiman had already left. And there was he created like an, an there was like an Angela solo type solo uh, series. Okay, that's were, maybe an, taking it there too were, far. There were yeah. like Angela figurines. There were Cogliostro was still like a big part of Spawn at the time. Okay, right. You know what I mean? So and and Neil turns out wasn't getting any money from any of the sales uh, for any of the books with his characters in, right. in them which was a lot of the spawn universe you like figured that would have char- sorted out beforehand right right right, right? or right. they were just it was just not done then no, no, no. but like here's the thing like he like uh, you know it, it's the old story and this happens a lot in comics where the public and it's ironic because um todd mcfarland left marvel for this reason because he wasn't you know he didn't feel like he was getting a fair shake from marvel and he didn't like being the worked for hire freelancer guy whatever he wanted to stand up for like creator rights that's why image was established yeah but uh todd mcfarland turns around and does the same thing that marvel was doing to him to neil gaiman and says and says yo yo yo, no 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 no. this isn't a profit sharing situation that was a work for hire you created the characters. I paid you for the issue. I don't have to pay you for every time those characters appear. Like that was a work for hire situation. You were like a freelancer. Right. I own the characters right. that you created for me. Right. right? So then, so then Neil Gaiman's like, no, 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 no. Like we had a deal. You were supposed. To, you said at the time that you were gonna like pay me for everything that you use my characters in, kind of thing. Yeah. So, so at the time that issue one hundred comes out. They're in the middle of like this legal battle, and and uh, and um, uh, you know, and so Tom McFarlane is mad, so he kills off Angela for, bi- <laughs> for basically for basically no re- for basically like no reason, right? right? So, Screw all this action. Yeah, yeah. So so Angela dies, which is like one of my favorite characters, and and uh, so I stop spawn after issue 100 because I'm all disillusioned. Like Angela's dead, plus like Mel Bogia isn't the main villain. So, like, the story isn't going to end, and we're at issue 100 already. I'm not ready to go for another 100 issues, you know, right, find out what happens. Yeah, like, yeah. like, this is a good time to end it. Like, good I, time to take I gotta, a walk, I gotta say goodbye. On. I got to move on yeah, to other things. Yeah, yeah. You know, Spawn, like, and at that point, I realized that, like, Spawn wasn't as really as edgy as I thought when I was a kid. Right. There are edgier things out there, like Watchmen. And, grow out of certain you, you know, things, you know what I mean? too, right? So, yeah. like, I'm like, I'm like, whatever. Spawn, mm-hmm. like, and, and Tom McFarlane was doing, like, shitty things, like, screwing my favorite creators yeah he had a quite a little stretch there of right popularity right right, for sure. right, right. Yeah. so so i'm like what the hell and then you find out about like the tony twist lawsuit and like yeah. <laughs> how he based this character off of this hockey player named tony twist yeah and like didn't give him any money for like the use of his image yeah. or whatever it's only been in like the last year that people are kind of starting to like him again yeah it yeah, feels yeah. He, like he, he's get, yeah it's for some reason he's like turned a corner or whatever well, people learn too i mean even they were young when they were right. starting image and doing you imagine how old i mean he must have been yeah, I'm guessing. But I mean, he 20s, became maybe. for a while. He became like the corporate overlord that he was trying to fight against yes, by start totally. by starting image. Yeah, like he yeah. became what he hated. Right, right. 
um you know it was, it was weird yeah and like and like neil gaiman like he lost out on a lot of money because there were like toys of his characters there were graphic novels that kept being reprinted right like it was a lot of stuff and 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 neil um i don't know if you know this but like my favorite comic is miracle man okay yeah because yeah. it's written by alan moore and neil gaiman mm-hmm. yeah. something that that neil introduced me to he right. kept being like yo you like alan moore and neil gaiman read yeah. v for vendetta right, here are all the right. issues to v for vendetta that we find at like heritage hall or whatever or whatever like it's like a little swap meet thing sure yeah. so yeah so so miracle man uh neil gaiman's like yo if if um if we settle this lawsuit you don't have to like pay me in perpetuity as long as we figure as long as you give me ownership of miracle man because oh, okay. Todd McFarlane had thought that he'd bought the rights to Miracle Man when Eclipse Comics folded. He thought he owned Miracle Man. He thought he bought it in auction. Turned out during discovery in that particular lawsuit that he didn't actually own Miracle oh, Man. Oh, really? Okay. And he, you know, and that, that was a whole other thing, which, yeah. we, which we won't get into. <laughs> Jesus. But at the time, it was like, you know, I'm doing, I'm pursuing this lawsuit not just to get my money back for Neil Gaiman, but I want to. Um, own Miracle Man so that I can end up finishing the story. Right. And Marvel helped him out and like paid his legal fees. And Marvel's like, yo, when you own Miracle Man and like we can publish it and we can like finish the story for you kind of thing. But we'll, so we'll, we'll pay your legal fees as long as you work for us. That's why he did the 1602, like that. Yes, Marvel yes, 1602, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did Eternals for them. Yeah, that yeah. was all to like for his legal fund money. Okay, you know, all the sales from that went to like help him with the lawsuit. And it was understood that once the ownership thing around Miracle Man was cleared up, that Marvel would you know publish it because they thought it would be a lot simpler than it turned out to be. Right, right. So yeah, so that was that was what was happening at the time. So we're at the point where you're in you're in grade eleven. You've got your math tutor who has introduced you to this wonderful world of alternative comic right, books. Right. And I'm also what? doing journalism and stuff right. at the Peace Arch News. So where do we go from there? Uh, when do you end up in Toronto? Okay, so, and, and this is a great place to start this line of questioning. Because how I ended up in Toronto was because, like, okay, I decide I want to do journalism in this grade 11 co-op thing. I'm like, yo journalism is awesome true stories are great right uh, that's what i want to do with my university i now know where i want to what i want to do for university so so i'm like okay so uh i start applying for universities uh i apply for like Quantlin college which is like this sort of um Quantlin college it's called it's called Quantlin college okay <laughs> it's it's a it's a school in bc it's it's like now it's like a it's considered a university. It's like one of those university colleges. Like you know how Ryerson used to be like a yes. polytechnical school, yes. and then eventually became like a university. Right. That's kind of what happened to Quantlin College. Like it, it was sort of a local, you know, community college sort of thing that like right became on. a university. Like offered enough stuff that like it's essentially like a university. Okay. So so I applied to Quantlin College because I because I know that journalism exists in there. Then my mom says to me, uh, "Hey, like." Why don't you try going to like, um, you know, going away, like going some somewhere else, like you know, it might be kind of good for you. Uh, we can't, we don't, we can't afford to like have you go to school in the states, like that's too expensive. Okay, yeah, and and that kind of thing. But but she's like, you know, you should look into, you should look into other places and stuff. So I'm like, I do, you know, I talk it over with my one of my best friends and you know one of my mentors, Kent Lostgard, who's a little older than me, and I'm like, yo, this is a really good idea. 
because at the time, like, there's a lot of tension between me and my mom because, you know, she's a little bit overbearing. Okay. My, my mom, you know, sort of because I have a disability and that kind of she's thing. She's a nurse. She, she has sort of... I, I can see She has that. sort of things about, like... Look after you know, her how, baby boy. Yeah, yeah. It's very... Like, but it's very, like, like smothering. Like, okay. she's not a mother, she's a smother kind of Okay, thing. I got you. And I'm trying to, like, establish my independence and, like... So we're, like, fighting all the time. We're, like, arguing. I'm a type of person who, like, I don't care if you're my mom. If I think you're wrong or doing something wrong, I just look at you like a regular person and, like, I'm going to tell you what, sure, what I think. I'll call right? you out. Yeah. I'm not going to keep it to myself. So we're, like, fighting all the time. I have um, – and I still have issues with her parenting style at the time. She sort of parented kind of like, um, you know, like I would try to do things and she'd be like, you know, you sure you can do that? You sure you know? You sure you know what you're doing? You sure you can get on the bus? Right. Have you thought of like every eventual situation? And I'm like, mom, why don't you be like Marco's parents and my other friends with disabilities who their parents are just like, oh, okay, you want to do that? Like, figure it out yourself. Yeah. Well, it's and like, like any kid. You got to let them fall on yeah, their yeah, face yeah, at some point. Exactly. Don't, yeah. don't try to, don't try to like protect me. You know, don't, don't, uh, and she still kind of tries to do, to do that a lot. Right. Yeah. Which comes from a good place, but but I recognized that she was sort of stunting my my, my development a little For bit, sure, yeah. and and she had like an we had ideological differences about how I thought she should parent me as right. a person with a disability, and I and I didn't like that like you know she was raising a kid with a disability she should know after eighteen years like what I'm actually capable of and like I did, I hated having to like always prove myself. Right, to of my course, parents that would get after, tiring after I once you're done, grown. Yeah, yeah, after I had done so much already to like yes. show that I knew what I was doing and For sure. I had thought of these things. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Why are you still reminding yeah. me? You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a. So where do you decide on school? So, so, so I'm like, okay, so this is a great idea because I can get away from my mom. Sure. I can get away, and I'm like, I can't just go to Qualen because if I go to Qualen, yeah, sure, like I'll move out. I'll, you know live somewhere else in BC and, and I love BC. I love Vancouver and whatever, but like my mom's going to be like checking in on me. Like that's, yeah. the, you know, I'm always going to have to go to dinner every weekend. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, she's going to be wanting to Three do my laundry. Three phone calls a week or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. So I'm like, I'm like, there's no way that oh, hold on. You need a, oh, um, there's no way that like I can really be independent. It'll, it'll be sort of a false independence. Like I'll right. live somewhere else. But like, it's like a crutch. My, my mom will always be there to sort of like help right. me out. And yeah. I and I'm, you know, I, I, I know this, like, I know that that's going to happen. So the only way I can really see if I can really hack it as like an independent person, like a real adult, you know, with a disability. And when you have a disability, it's a big thing to like do things on your own and well, yeah. figure out like <laughs> whether totally. you can, whether you can do things. And, like, whether you can be an adult and, like, do things on your own and stuff. Sure. So, I'm, like, I'm like I got to move far away. I got to move, like, you know, find me, like, the journalism school, you know, as, yes. far, as far as I can go. So, it turned out. Anything in Halifax? Uh... No, no, no. <laughs> well, I wasn't really thinking Halifax because. I'm just saying, like, uh, yeah. as far away Yeah, as yeah. Possible. I mean, that's a good point. But, like, I wasn't really thinking Halifax because at the same time. I wanted to try to get into the best journalism school that I could get of into. Of course, that was your goal, right? You, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, in addition to getting away from my mom, I also wanted, and my parents, and not having them over my shoulder all the time, I wanted to try and get in the best journalism school that I could get into. And uh, at the time, and I think this is still the case, uh, the two best journalism schools in Canada, I was told through my research, 
were Ryerson and Carlton. Okay. Right? Right. And at first, it really looked like I was going to want to go to Carlton because Carlton was in Ottawa. It was like really prestigious school for journalism sure. and that kind of thing. Yeah. You're in the capital too, you so know, why not? Yeah. But Ryerson, like, but then, but then kind of in the last minute, like I was like halfway through the admissions process. Um, you know, I, I'd applied to both. I'd applied to Kwantlen just as a backup in case I didn't get into either of them. Um, I realized that like, you know, looking through the brochures and stuff, I realized that Carlton was like really political focused because it was right next to like the parliament buildings and you're sort of learning journalism out of a textbook. Okay. It didn't seem very like practical. Right. And, and you're not in a place where you can apply the journalism, like go out and practice it because right. there's not much around. Right. And also it's like really hard for me to get around because like it snows sure, a lot in Ottawa. Sure. And even though they have, you know tunnels and underground parts of the school where you could get around like underground right uh what do i do after school how do i get around the snow in in ottawa and stuff like that's that's gonna be crazy like so so i'm like it doesn't it doesn't seem very practical for me to go to ottawa i think the best opportunity for my career is to go to toronto because ryerson is in the city it's like right downtown and it was clear from, like, their information that, like, it was practical. Like, you'd be on the ground doing journalism. Like, I think one of the first assignments we ever did was in, like, my reporting class, which was, like, six hours long, the first right. reporting class that I ever did. Oh, wow. That was, like, that was the class, like, the fundamentals of newspaper reporting. Um, the One of the first assignments we did, like, second week, the teacher is like, yo, go outside and interview someone. Find a find a story. Do that's what you got. They're do. called they're called streeters. Okay, Street, streeters like get, a cold call. Get the man yeah. on the street, right? Nice. And you have to, it was basically to get you used to talking to people, sure, and getting the information that you needed to get for every story that you do, like uh, name, age, spelling of the name. Like they they would tell us like they would tell us like always ask for the spelling of the name, even even if you yes. think it's like a really common name like yeah. Sarah, and you know how to spell it. Don't assume right. because everybody has some weird spelling some, of their name. Some people are going to use the H and yeah. some people aren't. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so she's like, so she's like, always ask like what the name is and stuff. And like basically, we were just getting their opinions on shit. Like, what do you think of whatever? Sure. Yeah. You know, like she would give us a topic. Like, right. ask people what they think of you know this topic in the news and try. And your assignment is to get ten people. If you don't get ten people, you fail basically right so we're running around super <laughs> nervous never interviewed people before unless you did like oh. some school like you know something thing. yeah but i thought like you know i did i did um i did co-ops i'm like i got this you know right so 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 it was so ryerson was like super super practical and also like i didn't end up getting into the carlton journalism program i got into the school but my grades um i was sort of an average student weren't good enough to get into journalism directly but they still wanted me to go to the school so i got into like mass communications okay so, th- so that was sort of like it wasn't exactly journalism but it was like if you do like mass communications for first year you can then transfer into journalism after one year of mass right. co- of mass communications and i'm like uh, not really what i well, not kind of what i want to do but not really not the you know, end you know of the kind world, of thing but yeah so i was like okay i don't really think i want to do i want to go to carlton anymore and i sort of told them because they were like calling me and being like where's your application yeah and then i told them like eh, i'm kind of considering ryerson like and here's why and then suddenly 
Aaron Broverman, you've been awarded a $500 grant to go to Carlson University. <laughs> so suddenly there's like, there's like money to try, to try yeah. and get me to go to Carlson oh, you're University. You're sweetening the pot area. <laughs> but, but simultaneously I'm applying to Ryerson and I, 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 they allow like portfolios. Like you could send in your portfolio. Oh, Car- okay. Carlton didn't allow portfolios. It was basically just based on your grades. All they wanted was like your transcript. And that was it. Right. It was basically like, if your grades are good enough, you can get you can get into the school. Okay. So so, but Ryerson it allowed the portfolio, and I'd been doing writing at this point. Like I I'd been doing Peace Arch news. I'd been doing like web movie reviews okay. for like uh, early early uh, webzines. They were they were right. still, they yeah, were yeah, them, yeah, like totally. webzines. Yeah. Um, there was a youth employment service of Canada, mm-hmm. and they would produce all this like career focused content. Okay. For for like the youth of sure. of BC yeah. kind of thing like you know, and they had a website called BC Work Infonet, and I would do like movie reviews. That's great experience for them, kind great of thing. Practice, so so yes, yeah, so, and I was yeah. getting paid. I was getting fifty bucks an article. Fifty bucks an article. That's, that's for for a student. That's for a student like that right was, on. So that was awesome. So so I'm like I'm already writing. Like I got this. I can portfolio this shit. You know, I'll put everything that I've been doing into my portfolio, and it's gonna be awesome. So I send in my portfolio. And on the strength of my portfolio, all my P-Search News experience, all my web experience, uh, I get into Ryerson nice. directly. Yeah. I get into Ryerson Journalism School. My sister went to Ryerson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, why would I waste my time going to Carleton for mass communications if, uh, if I already got into yeah. Ryerson? And yeah. it's, it's downtown. I, I'm reasonably certain that even though it snows in Toronto, it doesn't snow as much as it would in, That's in, right. in Ottawa yeah. kind of thing. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to Ryerson. I like decide I'm going to Ryerson. My father, like, and, it, and it's like super last minute. Um, and he was like dating a girl. Who, this is real dad, right? My, my, yeah. my real father, yeah. my, my dad. He gets a little nervous. I found out later that he had been tr- trying to tell my mom, like, are you sure? He, I don't know if he, he should do this. You want, you know, are you sure you want him to do this? Uh. And she was sort of like defending me, but she wasn't telling me all this stuff that was happening. But one time he sat me down with his girlfriend that he's like no he was you know no longer with it's like short term relationship and they're like they're, they sit me down and they have this weird conversation it's like way late like I've already got into the university and he's like yo why don't you like hang out in BC why like why don't you go you know you know what you should do you, you know he's like Toronto's like a big and scary place like last time last time Lynette his girlfriend was there. Uh, you know, she, she got mugged. It was, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't a good thing. And she's like, yeah, yeah. Like, I've never known anyone who's know, gotten I, mugged I, I in the city. <laughs> no, but she's like, but I mean, they went to Toronto, like the seven, like, I don't know, the seventies, sure. whatever. Yeah. She's, she's like, yeah, like it's not safe. How, like, how are you going to function there? Kind of thing. And they had like this serious conversation and he's like, you know what I think you should do? I think you should go into like UBC. And I'm like, well, I can't go to UBC because. UBC only has like a master's program for journalism. They don't have like an actual bachelor's bachelor's okay, degree. Okay. This is University of British Columbia. Right. Um, uh, they don't have like a like. Why would I go to UBC? And he's like, yeah, but like, you should you should just go to UBC and like do like creative writing. And then after you do like the creative writing degree, you should then apply. You can apply to the journalism, get a master's. You get a master's. You get two degrees. Sure. Pretty awesome. Um, and I'm like, yeah, but like. I don't want to like spend all my time in school. Like I want, I want to work yeah. for a living eventually. Yeah, yeah. I and, want to actually and, do what I'm learning to and, do. And, yeah. And why would I waste my time doing a forty four year degree in creative writing 
when I'm already when I've already gotten into like a journalism school, of course, and I could start right it's just away, logical. Yeah, yeah, learning what I want to yeah. learn, kind of thing. So they finally give you the okay. So they're like, finally like, all right, son. Yeah, yeah. But it was a it was a really weird and out of character conversation for my father. Like usually he's a pretty laid back guy, but at this particular moment in my life, he sort of put all his cards and anxieties on the table and like kind of weirded me out that because what are you 17 18 yeah yeah at the time? yeah, yeah and yeah. he's tr- 17 because yeah. it's grade 12 okay yeah oh and the other cool thing was it was like the double cohort for the first time so it was the first year that ontario got rid of uh grade 13 right right so when so when i went to university they were getting all these grade 12 students that they weren't that they hadn't gotten before. So it was like it was like a double cohort because it was like the last year of grade thirteen students and grade twelve students together go like sure. going to university. So it was like a big class and I felt good because like there were people who were my same age that were going to university. Right. You know, before had I gotten into university, it would have been people that were like older than me and could all and like could drink and stuff. So, you know, I had people that I could like hang out with and relate to and things like sure, that. So I, course, I was yeah. lucky that it, that at the time that I was going to university, everyone was, you know, th- my sa- sort of my same age. Like there were people my same yeah. age who were going to university. Peers. Yeah. And the university had to figure out how are we going to handle all these kids who can't who can't drink and like what do we do? <laughs> and like we're going to have to do like, you know, dry parties and stuff. Like literally yeah, like, of course. Cuz I got into residence and that was like a big thing. They were like they were like, oh my god! Like we've never had to do this before. For sure. So yeah, but that's a separate. That's a separate <laughs> issue. So my father eventually, like he he relents because like, what is he gonna do? I'm already in the university, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And, but that was like a really we- that was like a really weird moment. That was like I'm his sure. last ditch effort to like yeah. hang on. You're like for I'm dear breaking life free, dad. To his, <laughs> to his father, to his his son. I'm a peacock, dad. Yeah, you gotta yeah, let me fly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so okay, so I go to I go to I go to. Um, university but like one of the last things that i do before i go and and i think like the year that i went to university was like 2003 i graduated from grade 12 in uh in 2003 okay june of 2003 and that year august 24th of 2003 that was the day that i had to leave for residence because right. you have to go like the week before right for frosh and orientation and all those of sorts course of yeah you gotta get settled but yeah. two weeks before First of all, there's SARS going on in Toronto that year, right? Uh, yeah. I'm like, what SARS is this? Stock, what is this and they had that yeah. concert with, and the Pope came. I was there. I was it there. It was crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on with the SARS? People are like, you know, getting sick and dying yeah. or whatever. Then, like a week before I go, like a few, even like a few days before I have to go to Ryerson and like pack up my life and never see my people again, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the blackout happens. The blackout. And I'm like... The blackout. I'm like, what the hell? I'm that like, was cool, man. I, I got to come to Toronto <laughs> and like, it's falling apart. It's like the Toronto <laughs> apocalypse. There's SARS and blackouts. <laughs> blackout. What's happening? Exactly. Do I really want to come here? Like, I was kind of having second thoughts. The big skinny city is scary. Right. But I... But my mom got me like this big Bauer hockey bag and I packed up all my shit in this big Bauer hockey bag. Being the smother that she was, right. she decided to stay with me in my dorm room for like the first week of... Oh. 
of <laughs> university because <laughs> she wanted to like set me up and like I'm a kid with a disability so which I, I think uh, would make it much extra harder yeah, for I, you I need, I need like, like special attention yeah, I need to, yeah. I, you know we have to go to the this the the the, um, the faculty and set right. up all your things that you yeah. need. You gotta figure out how you're getting to classes. Yeah, yeah, and all is there accessibility and, everywhere? Yeah, and I, I, I gotta make sure that you. Can I drive. think we live in a pretty accessible city, though. Yeah, it is a pretty accessible city. Okay. Uh, I come from Vancouver is the most accessible city okay. in Canada. All right. In terms of public, so there were some adjustments to be made here stuff. a bit. There were adjustments at the time that I moved to Toronto. Um, not a lot of uh, subway stations were accessible. The, uh, there are more subway stations now that are accessible. Streetcars, forget it. No right. streetcar was accessible. Right. Buses weren't even. Full, and were did you were you scootering at that time? I was because, okay because the summer before, like I'd walked around, you know, elementary school. I'd carried my backpack on my back. I had like one of those little Rolly Pullman back, you know, okay, bags yeah, and yeah. stuff. And I carried it on my back, but then after a while, because it hurt my back, I carried this Pullman. So I was, like, walking around in my school. It was all on the same level kind of thing. But then she's like, yo, how are you going to get around uh, How are you gonna get around school? Yeah. And my friend's like, uh, you should get a scooter because that will give you the freedom to walk around when you want to walk around. Mm-hmm. But also, like, you don't want to be tired walking around everywhere because, like, you, gotta you don't know, learn you don't know where you're going you know all the time right right so it's like what if you start walking somewhere and then you decide you want to go somewhere else you got to walk even further and you yeah, gotta yeah you gotta consider your battery yeah, charge you got, your you power get, you get you get, yeah. you get tired or whatever so he's like you should you should get a scooter because okay. that'll that, that means you can go further faster you can get on time for class mm-hmm. and you don't have to worry about like your energy or right like, you know that kind of thing so for longer distances use a scooter you know plus don't tell me it's not fun it is kind of fun. <laughs> okay. So the summer before, we, we bought a scooter. Like, that was going to be the plan. I'd never driven a scooter before before university, before that summer. Um, and But this was going to be, like, the way I was going to get around campus. So she was all concerned. Like, can he drive his scooter? Can And I was, like, a sucky driver, man. Like, I was, <laughs> I, you know, trying to try, – my, 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 my brother, my brother is, like, a joke. He My mom's like, yo, you got to help Aaron with his, like, driving. You got to – you got to do something. So he drew me like a like a thing, and it's like a little stick figure on a scooter, um, trying to make a turn into a doorway, <laughs> and and one of the turns is like too tight, and he smashes into like the side of the door. Okay. And he's like, and it says like bad, and then and then and then, and then, and then, and then he has like the same drawing, but the turn is wider, and the guy gets in the door, and he's like, good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So here's your instruction manual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so I'm like, oh god. So yeah, I was a sucky driver. People were nervous about that. People, like I'm run, like I'm running people over or whatever. But like it also kind of sucked for me because I'm trying to figure out where I'm going and where things are. And and I remember like uh, Toronto was really confusing because like even the subway, like the signage is kind of messed yeah, up. Like totally. you know where all especially the, back then. Yeah, yeah, you don't know where all the elevators are. You like you're like, why do I have to go all the way to the other thing? Yes, yeah. You know, you gotta like find the elevator, the right elevator that goes to the yeah, thing. Yeah. Like for a while, like let's say like Bloor Street Station, I was going between eastbound and westbound and I'm like, where's the elevator to the street? And then I realized that it's like on the northbound platform in like a totally other totally okay. other location it doesn't really make any sense and it doesn't really direct you like it, right. at the time where it was and like the TTC people weren't very helpful they were like uh, uh, I don't know like whatever kind of thing <laughs> and um, you know I remember once I got trapped in the ele- in an elevator and my friend uh. 
and it was one of those like key elevators. It was right. like at, at Union Station they used to have like a key operated, uh, you know, sure, hydraulic like a lift. lift. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I got stuck in in one of those. And my friend went to the went to the person. And it's like, yo, uh, there's a guy stuck in the elevator. Can you help us? And he looks on the monitor and he doesn't see me because I'm I'm too. Low. Oh, you're lower. I'm too lower. Right. And he's like, no, there isn't. Like, what, what's your problem? There's nobody there. He's like, no, like, seriously, there's somebody there. No, there isn't. I would have seen them, blah, blah, blah. So he ends up arguing with her for, like, 20 minutes about whether there's a guy. Oh, in, my in God. The, in the, in the, in <laughs> You're like this, like, hey. Yeah, so finally, they help me kind of thing. So, like, there was a lot of things that I was that I was sort of dealing with. Sure. And it was hard to deal with it because. Tough, tra- tough transition, Because man. my mom was trying to be helpful, but she, you know, whenever you have somebody in your ear, it's hard to like take stuff in like mm-hmm. directional yeah. wise because she's telling you where to go and yeah. why don't you go this way? And I'm like, well, but I thought they said this way and it would confuse me. So it made it even worse because it was hard to like figure out what was going on because I had mom telling me one thing and I right. yeah, trying to figure yeah. it out for myself and I couldn't really absorb it because she's talking to me all the time. And, and, I, and I thought at first when I moved to Toronto that like the people were very like into themselves. Like I would ask yeah. – for like directions like i would approach people and be like yo you know how far like where do i go to get to whatever and they would just do like the vague point right like it's that way <laughs> like they wouldn't actually give you directions they yeah. would give you like the vague point or there and then you, yeah and then, and then you had and then you had to like ask the next person then you had to ask the next person and they would point further right and, like right. whatever and i'm like well okay whatever so I didn't find the people that friendly or very helpful at first. Now that I'm sort of used big to, city attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that I'm sort of you know Vancouver, I thought was a big city, but I, I thought it was more like it's tiny at the time. Yeah. I thought it was more like you know small small town attitude in a big city yeah. shell kind of yeah. thing. It's, I don't know if it's like that anymore. Now it's a little more pretentious. I'm, I'm here. I was there. Uh, I was there six or seven years ago. I think seven years ago, yeah. and I loved Vancouver. Yeah. I thought it was it was just great. Everybody was very kind and nice out there. Yeah. Beautiful city. Yeah. So it was a struggle. But how I got over that struggle was I every weekend. You know, and, and I didn't really make a lot of friends in, in Ryerson because, like, the way the way that our residence was set up was it was like a hotel, which I thought would be awesome because I'd have my own private room and whatever. Right. But when you have your own private room, you can just shut the door and you don't have to interact with anyone. Right. You know what I mean? You know it's what easy I mean? to do. It's easy to shut so, in. So I was like – so I'm like, whatever. Like, no one – like, kind of nobody wants to hang out with me. So I'm just going to – like, I have to learn the city. I have to figure out, like, directions and stuff. So every weekend I'm like, I'm going to go – somewhere i don't care where i go i'm just gonna go out and right. see where i end up that's a great attitude that was sort of my thing it's like an awesome i'm idea. just gonna go yeah. out and see where i end up and then when i want to come back i'll come back kind of thing i didn't have a plan of where i was gonna go i'm just gonna go out and explore i'm right. gonna see how far i can get on a charge get to ne- and 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 explore absolutely and i yeah. like I, and i was went all over the place i went to like lawrence avenue and like, yeah. like i was going to like uncharted territory eglinton getting used to the subway and i'm like i don't care if anyone comes with me or whatever i'm just gonna do it myself like, sure I'm just i'd gonna, love to boot around the city yeah, on a scooter yeah, I, i'm just gonna like party myself Okay, kids, as the illustrious Mr. Smith would say, we're going to put a pin in it right there. And uh, we'll be back in a day or two with uh, part two of my epic conversation with Mr. Aaron Broverman. I hope you're enjoying yourselves as much as I was enjoying having that conversation. Uh, But that's it. That's all we're going to have for this episode, kids. 
on an elegant weapon. Stay tuned. Part two coming very, 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 very soon. Uh, okay. Take it easy.